to the Starting With One podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Our goal is to provide our audience with interesting, relevant information on Canadian healthcare, financial and estate planning issues, and running a business. With each episode, Robin and Al will be exploring topics that matter to you. Starting With One is built off of our experience that we enhance the lives of many starting with one. Every great story that we get to share all started with one phone call, one conversation, or one meeting. These are the stories that make us very proud to do what we do, and it all starts with one. Hey folks, welcome back to the show. Robin and Al here. And Al, you know what's funny? When Stephanie Stewart was on our podcast last time, I had made the comment that she had been able to do what no one else has done in made life insurance industry. And we got a ton of feedback about people saying the same thing. So obviously we were on the right track. So by a lot of demand, Stephanie Stewart is back in the studio today. So you guys are going to be talking about, I assume, life insurance again, but maybe from a different perspective. So I'll turn it over to you, Al, and, uh, and I'm just going to sit here and listen in and see what gems I get this time. Perfect. Perfect. Thanks, Robin. So yes, welcome back, Stephanie. It's great to have you back again. The last time that you were in, we did talk about life insurance, and I, again, I know that's not a topic that most people get too excited about, but I think you did a great job of explaining at the high level how it works, and, and more importantly, positioning life insurance at different stages of people's lives, and you used the example of need, and correct me if I get it wrong here, need, opportunity, and... More opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> The life insurance continuum, though, you yeah, talked about last time. Yeah, it was protection, accumulation, and transfer. Right, okay. So that was great, and I think it really helped to understand. So today I wanted to talk maybe a little bit more about specifically uh, how business owners can use this type of product for an asset, uh, which again you alluded to last time. So in an earlier podcast, we had Louis Isabella on, and Louis is a chartered accountant, and he had talked about some of the challenges that face business owners and specifically how the changes to the passive income rules are affecting the small business deduction. And one of the things that he brought up at the time was one of the strategies to be able to uh, address that was permanent insurance because it does grow tax sheltered. It does help to minimize the passive income. So we had talked about that in you know fairly high level. I'm hoping that because of your experience, because of your background, you work on this in this type of uh, situation a number of times. So maybe you can give us a little bit more detail about how business owners can use this, whether they're facing the passive income rules or just as a strategy to help build wealth help uh, plan the retirement, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, sure. As you mentioned, the passive income rules, business owners aren't a big fan of. No, no. And they need <laughs> their accountants. Uh, you know, if you, if you look at over the past number of years, uh, corporate tax rates in general, specifically the non-eligible rates, have definitely gone up. Right. So it's it's getting, uh, and it's pretty much on par with, you know, if, if you were, you know, personal versus corporate, it's on par with the tax rates being about the same. So when you're taking money out of a corporation, you really do get dinged. So, mm-hmm. you know, the great thing about being incorporated is, you only have to pay your corporate tax rate to start off with. And like you said, having that small business rate is is wonderful, right? Yep. And we're now at like 12.2% and you got that $500,000 that you can earn at that tax rate. 
But what insurance does because of its unique features and characteristics is we move that money, as you mentioned, we move the money out of its taxable realm mm -hmm. and we put it into the insurance policy. All that cash grows tax-free and right. it's not considered passive income. Right. So that is a huge asset. And we run into business owners all the time that have significant cash sitting in holding companies. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just recently I ran into somebody who had sold a business and had, you know, tens of millions of dollars sitting nice in a GIC, mm -hmm. um, you know, but still it, it's sitting there in Holco, it is tax exposed. Right. So, and the tax rate that you're paying on that passive income is 50.17%. So, so you're losing, every dollar they make, they're losing one and a half. half. Mm -hmm. So, and add that up, add yeah. that up over 10, 20, 30 years, because a lot of these business owners, especially that have a holding company, maybe they've sold an operating company, there's many different scenarios, that money is really just being held for the next generation, right? Right. So they're paying tax, they're losing every dollar they make, they're losing over half of it for potentially 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Yep. Then to get the money out of the corporation, how do we take money out of a corporation? We have to take it out as a dividend. There's and no way get, to get it at tax. And we get taxed. And again. we get taxed. So it's all about tax. Yeah. And again, it's all about tax. So in comes the insurance solution. So we can take a portion of the money that's sitting in their passive investment mm -hmm. and we move it into a life insurance policy. So what does the business owner get from that? Two things. Number one, they get the growth of the cash tax-free for their life. So they avoid paying taxes for life on the money that's in that policy, right. which is a huge advantage. Yes. And you know, we can numerically show them what that advantage is. And then on top of that, there's this mechanism in the tax act called the capital dividend account. And what this is basically is it's a mechanism for business owners to take money out tax-free. Okay. And what is great about life insurance is in general, by the time you reach, say, age 92, 93, okay, and if you pass away at that point in time, 100% of your death benefit can be paid out tax-free through this mechanism. So think about that. Let's say you've got a million dollars sitting in holding company. Let's say it's in cash. Yep. In your current environment, let's say you're earning 4% on that money. Well, you're losing over 2% right. of that money Half every year. Half it goes to the government right, right away. Half of it's going. And then at life expectancy away. is halfway. You're losing more of that money to tax. Right. What if we take that same million dollars, we put it into an insurance policy, it grows tax sheltered, and then let's say you pass away at the magical number, let's say it's age 93, mm -hmm. you get to take all that money out tax-free. Right. Well, not you. Your heirs, you're heirs, you're passed right. on, yes. but your family gets a significant, significant lift in what they're left with at the end of the day because you've avoided the taxes while living and you've avoided a whole bunch of taxes at death. And it's all legal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the thing. Nothing this is the all here. legal. This yeah. is all permitted in the Tax Act. It's all permitted. There's certain uh, limits that the insurance policies have to keep under, and they do that automatically. So it's all legal. It's a legal way to pass more money onto your family than your, your current position. And that's where we normally start with clients is we go in and we show them, here's your current position. Here's your current tax liability. Here's what you're gonna lose over your lifetime on this money. Here's what you're gonna lose and what your family's gonna end up with in their genes at the end of the day. And then we show them the insurance solution. Mm -hmm. And they're always getting a huge lift. Sometimes it can be very dramatic. The younger right. clients start this planning, the better off it is. Right. But like we're talking an equivalent rate of return of you know over 10% right. that they would have to earn on a corporate investment. So it's very, very lucrative. The key is you've got to do it with the right amount of money and, and incorporate it into an overall financial plan, which you know is what we do. Yep. So based on everything you've told me and everything that you know we've talked about before, what are some of the reasons that people don't do it? I mean, it's, it almost, it almost it sounds a, too good to be true. And you know what? A lot of people say that. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people do say that. Most business owners, when we first go in and, and position it as insurance, they say, 
I don't need insurance. Right. And we totally agree. Bad you word, don't right? need insurance. Bad word. Exactly. Insurance. Yeah. I'm, I'm spending something on that. I don't need it. Okay. Yeah. They think of the insurance as an expense. They yeah. think of it as not as an asset. So our first hurdle is to get them to understand how it works. We talked about that the last podcast a little bit about, you know, looking at the insurance as an asset class, as a diversification strategy. Right. You know, we're not saying take all your money and put it into insurance. Right. We're saying take a portion yeah. and it can enhance your estate overall, but overall you're paying less tax while living and at death. Right. So um, that's our number one hurdle is getting the client to look at insurance as what it truly is. It's a financial tool, it's a financial asset, and it's doing financial work for them in their overall portfolio. Right. And to show them that it is part of their overall portfolio. So that's the number one thing. The number two thing a lot of people say, you know, well, what's the worst that can happen? And the worst that can happen is they embark on a strategy and in year two or three, they decide they don't like the strategy anymore. So these are long-term strategies. And I normally tell clients, in my personal opinion, that you know they need to fund it for a period of 10 years, I would mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. And most clients, we're just moving money. We're moving money that they right, already had pocket. from the taxable pocket to the non-taxable pocket. So right. the strategy itself, there isn't any risk, but we walk through pros and cons and often it's structure where to hold it. But in general, it's mostly just getting over the hurdle of people thinking of insurance as, you know, term insurance, not for its traditional purpose, but not thinking of it as a tool that does work in their overall portfolio. Right. So another uh, objection, if you will, that business owners will quite often come up with is, listen, um, you know, I've got X number of dollars. Why should I put it into an insurance plan versus why don't I just invest it back into my business? Because that's how I, I got successful. I believe I can take this dollar, I can put it back in my business, and I can grow it to a bigger number than an insurance policy ever will. And that's a really good point because business owners know their business. Right, exactly. That's, that's how they got successful in the first place. So again, it depends on the client. So every client, we do a, a total fact find. We do a, an overall plan to figure out kind of where the insurance fits. Right. For some clients that are in exactly that situation, I'll give you an example. We had one recently where the client has a very large factory. They're in a manufacturing type business and he has a big tax bill coming down. He hasn't sold his company yet. He sold another company. He will be selling his company maybe at some point, maybe not. Right. He's got large real estate assets. He's got a bunch of stuff going on. But one thing that he understood and, and his accountant pointed out is you've got this really big tax bill coming. Right. So we went in, we did some planning with him and he understood the value of the insurance. He wanted it. He understood that it would put him in a better overall position, but he's looking at building a brand new factory, huge, right. big factory. So what we can do is there's different strategies where we can actually have him buy the insurance today, turn around, go to the bank and get the bank to loan back the premium mm -hmm. so that he has it to deploy into what he wants to do in his business, which is build a factory. Right. It's called an immediate financing strategy and we right. do these types of arrangements all the time in the high net worth market where you've got a client who's saying, you know, I want to have my cake and eat it too. Right. So the cake mm -hmm. is the insurance policy, which can take care of some of the taxes that are coming upon my death, mm -hmm. but I also want to have my money to deploy into my business because I know right. I can make 15% rate of return on that. So we can structure policies in that way so that they can have that opportunity. And that really goes back to the fact that again, you know, this is an asset. And I, I think a lot of people don't really look at insurance as an asset. They look at it again as an expense. But what you're telling me is, no, you know, it, it does have cash in it. It is an asset. You can use that cash. It has a living uh, value as opposed to just the value when you pass away. Absolutely. And the banks love permanent whole life insurance, mm -hmm. participating whole life insurance particularly, 
all the banks have lending divisions uh, where they will loan against that as an asset. And they absolutely love it because it's safe, it's secure, right. it's got guarantees. Right. And really, you can't lose. <laughs> they yeah. can't lose. Right. And we have relationships with all the major banks and all the major banks do do this um, with the larger cases. So yeah. it's not small cases that we're talking about. Yeah. But it absolutely makes sense. And it provides the client with exactly what they want. They can continue to have the cash flow to do what they want to do in their business. But they also have the insurance asset that's growing at the same time. Yeah. So what happens is at death, Obviously, there's a bank loan. The death benefit goes first to pay off the bank loan, right. and the remainder goes to the family to take care of the taxes. Right. You mentioned, I believe it was in your previous podcast, and I want to explore that a little bit. You said, everyone remembers 2008. I opened up two statements in 2008 okay. that were actually positive, that had gone up. Everything else had gone down. and One of them was my life insurance policy. So talk a little bit about how these policies work in terms of building cash, but also how the cash is, I'll say vested, I'll use the word mm -hmm. vested, yeah. that the value doesn't go backwards. And, and you can't even say that about all life insurance policies because some life insurance policies are set up to mimic the returns on the market, yeah. but the ones that we are talking about aren't. Yeah. The ones that we're talking about, uh, once the cash is there, it's there. So can you just explain yeah. that a little bit about that? So with participating whole life insurance, I think of it this way, think of it as the client is participating in how well the company is doing. Think mm -hmm. of it that way. It's not uh, it's sort of my analogy. So when you put money into a participating whole life insurance policy, your deposit goes into a fund. So I'll give an example. Canada Life's fund is $43.7 billion fund. That's not small. That's not small. <laughs> so and these funds have been around at that particular one since I think 1848. So big funds been around a long time, a perpetual fund. Think of it like a pension fund. Mm -hmm. Money goes into this fund. The fund itself is invested mostly in fixed income and the fund itself pays death claims, it loans money out to clients, mm -hmm. it does a whole bunch of things. It builds, we're into development, we do private placements, we invest the money in unique deals that are specific to our fund. Yeah. At the end of the year, we look at, okay, well, how much money did the fund make? How many people died versus what we expected? How well did we manage our expenses? And like any other business, we say, oh, how much money do we want to keep in retained earnings right. for yep. a rainy day? And then how much money do we want to pay out as a policy dividend? It's not like an investment dividend. It is different, a right. policy dividend. And that's how your policy grows. So I'll give you an example. If the fund itself this year said, oh, this year your policy, you're getting a $100 dividend. Mm -hmm. Hey, that $100 then vests with you. And it forms your guarantees going forward. Right. So regardless of what happens the next year, if our fund does terrible, for example, mm -hmm. and doesn't make any money, yep. you don't lose that $100 you got the year before. That's part of your guarantees going forward. Right. And the other interesting thing about participating whole life insurance is that there is no formula for a negative dividend. You, you can't have a negative dividend. There's no such thing. You right. might not get a it dividend. Might, it might be zero. It might be zero, however. But they can't take it back. Yeah, that's yeah. never happened since like 1848, but it could be. And that being said, you can't have less than zero. So right. you can't lose. And right. that's a unique feature and, char and characteristic that really does make it a different asset class it's any, than any other assets that a business owner yeah. would hold. And as a business owner, it might be nice to have one asset that you know can't go backwards. I Yeah, I totally agree. That's <laughs> tax shelter. Because <laughs> that's something that, again, their business can go backwards. They can have a bad year. It's their a great hedge. can go backwards. But yeah. you're telling me, and we all we all know the insurance. Once it's there, it's there. Yeah, so I think a, that's it's a great that's hedge. A, it's a great diversification strategy. There's all kinds of advantages to business owners. But our number one thing is educating business owners. Perfect. Most people don't understand it. When they do understand yeah. it, often people say, "I don't want insurance. I don't yeah. need insurance." And then 
at the end of the day, they say, oh, I guess I'm buying insurance. Right, right. <laughs> now that I understand. Yeah, exactly. Stephanie, I want to thank you again. I think that's been very informative, very helpful. And hopefully that you know people picked up some ideas and, and hopefully a new understanding and appreciation of how some of these products can work and into their situation. I really have a feeling after this episode gets released that Stephanie is going to be returning guest to the podcast <laughs> several times. So. We'll I'd be happy to have her back. Based time. on last time. And it's funny, as, as I'm sitting here listening, I'm, I'm thinking myself, Al and Joe are, are business owners. So, you know, some of the conversations that we get to have with other business owners, we can certainly relate because we're, we're faced with the same challenges and opportunities. And it's great to be in that position. When I think back about the infrastructure that we built, both with Life and Legacy advisory group and aria benefits whether you're talking to us on the benefits side and a question comes up that isn't in my wheelhouse one of the things i'm very glad that we did was bring in expertise so i can refer something off to al or joe or vice versa and you can be pretty certain if we don't have the answer we certainly know where to find it working with people like yourself so that does it for another episode uh, folks if you need to reach out to al or i you know where to find us you can always join the conversation on linkedin and remember it all starts with one